not over yet. Obviously there's still a lot of big events and Beijing is one of them. This is one of the most amazing cities in the world. It's pretty cool to come to China. For me personally, 10-15 years ago I never would imagine myself ever coming to China period, let alone coming all the way over here to play a sport. The city's pretty nice. I went to the Chinese Wall a few times, uh, went to the Summer Palace. Always happy to be back here in this in this country. Fans are always uh, very emotional, so I, I enjoy it, you know, and I, I'm going to try to to play my best. Welcome to ATP Tennis Radio. Barry Milnes alongside Naomi Cavaday, and plenty coming up for you in the next half hour, starting with the China Open final in Beijing. This black and yellow frame racket serving to the backhand, it comes to his forehand, he whips it up, but he's on a defensive position there. Kyrgios working the backhand, goes stinging into the backhand corner, it's called out. Now did that land right on the uh, meeting of the two lines, the sideline and the baseline, or did it just go long? It was a quick call, but it looked a very close ball. We get the replay now and it's caught the edge of the line. In fact, it was a bit further back than I thought. But what a start from Nick Kyrgios. Well, that's tough, isn't it, on the Australian? He's got to replay the point because he really had Nadal at his mercy there, but he doesn't want to get distracted by it. He's shaking his head. He's not happy. He's thinking, well, what else have I got to do? Because I kind of won the game already. Love 40. Big serve. Backhand reply. Run around forehand drive. That's a clean winner. What a thump that was. The first good play that Kyrgios has made since that uh, moment of controversy and the overall comes to the body, it's a drive return to his forehand, off the back foot, he whips that to the backhand of Nadal, it goes up the line, cross-court from Kyrgios, rushing Rafa a bit, but then Nadal comes back strongly, he rushes Kyrgios, who makes a defensive forehand up the line, then cross-court from Nadal, then right onto the baseline from Kyrgios, he gets the short ball to attack with the backhand, with a forehand, but he's pushed back on the backhand side, Nadal coming forward, Kyrgios goes, and then Nadal with a finishing volley, a stunner, what a point. Drive forehand from Kyrgios, trying to get inside the baseline. He's hammering the ball with everything here. Nadal is just trying to defend, and then the underslice drop shot is perfect from the Australian. Sublime skill. Second serve at 15:40. Driven return. Forehand little touch shot in the net, and then just the racket on the floor from Kyrgios. That was a very tame finish by him to a disappointing game. And there is the first break of this final. It's Nadal who leads it 4-2. Second serve, and he's double faulted again. Well, he went for the line, but he missed the target. Back-to-back -back double faults, ending the set in that way. Disappointment for the Australian, but a quiet delight, no doubt, for Nadal, who, uh, stern-faced, waits for another towel to be brought back up to him as he goes back to the chair, having taken the first set, 6-2. Well, you guessed it. You knew what was coming. Another missed first serve, one in the net. He really has lost rhythm on that today, and it's been such a key shot for him this week. Vital that he finds it before uh, very long. They rally again. Nadal deep. Kyrgios swinging and missing again because he just went full ball with the forehand, but with not perhaps enough care and attention. It hit the net, feared high. It dropped back once again on his side, and Nadal now a set and a break to the good. Vital to get this game at least for Kyrgios to uh, stop 
Rafa in his tracks for the moment, but at 40-30, can he do that? They rally from behind the baseline. Up the line, it's gone from Nadal, and then he sees the chance to come forward, but somehow Kyrgios kept him at bay with a long floating ball. But Kyrgios is having to make up the ground. It's Nadal is dictating and driving through the clean winner to get himself to juice. What a point from the world's best. Hits the forehand, hits it short. Kyrgios can work with his forehand, does with good strength, but Nadal is so quick and defending well. Brings it back off the two-hander, then has to run wide on the forehand side. Kyrgios then easing one up the line. Beautiful shot from him, but Nadal was there again. Great defence, and now he's on the attack, driving it through. He hammers the forehand deep. Kyrgios then flattens into the net, and that's how to do it. Nadal brilliant as he earns himself yet another break point. Now prepares the serve, taken on the backhand. It's out of play. The return is wide. Arms aloft, Nadal celebrates. China Open champion for the second time. Rafa, congratulations, another trophy to add to this amazing season. Did you expect that final though to play out quite the way it did? Well, not of course, no, but uh, having a very positive week. No, uh, lucky the first day. I remember always uh, things change very quick in sport, uh, and especially when you are in a good dynamic, no, like I am doing this year. So uh, after saving uh, too much points in the first match, uh, I played a great week, no? a great week of tennis, very happy for, for this title. Takes a long time to win it again after 2005, for a lot of years, but uh, here I am again. No? So just very happy for everything and just congratulate to Nick for a great week. And let's see what's, what's going on now. And like you say, a long time between the two titles here. Can you compare your feelings in any way between then and now? Well, of course, uh, now is a bigger event than what used to be in 2005. So uh, feeling is uh, a little bit higher now, especially because uh, when I won in 2005, I never imagined that I will be here playing still in 2017. So, uh, but here I am, no, enjoying uh, a lot this this season. And the uh, most important thing for me, I am enough healthy to to play uh, as many weeks as I want, and just uh, trying to to save my body the best way possible to keep playing tennis as long as possible. And how important is it to keep this momentum going, not just into Shanghai, but also Paris and London, and maybe break some new ground at those tournaments? Let's see, no, uh, now is the moment to enjoy this important title for me. Uh, as I said before, no, I have been here a couple of times after winning that, that tournament in 2005, so it takes a lot of effort to, to, to win this trophy game. But of course, the tennis don't stop, and now I'm going to go to Shanghai. I hope to be ready to keep playing well in Shanghai. Of course, this week has been very positive. I finished with the great, great feelings. So uh, let's see if I'm able to keep playing that well in Shanghai. So those key moments from the final in Beijing. The China Open decided in Rafael Nadal's favour. Naomi, we'll talk about Kyrgios in a moment and that moment of controversy that so affected him, but take nothing away from Nadal, his performance today exemplary. It was excellent, absolutely superb from Rafa, start to finish. Uh, he was a little concerned going into the match, but you could see he had done a lot of research. He's played him a few times before coming into this match, and they definitely had a different game style for Nadal to be playing. Him and his team had worked on something. They decided this is what's going to work, and actually, I think it was a brilliant choice of tactics. He decided to stay right up on the baseline, not retreat, not get bullied by Kyrgios, accept that occasionally he's going to fire in a big shot, and you're going to get rushed, and you're just going to have to try and deal with it. And he did get overwhelmed on those shots but that Kyrgios is susceptible to dropping in short balls and in the previous matches they've played Nadal has let him get away with that not today he was right up on the ball he was so sharp and Kyrgios was under immense pressure from the start
The intensity, the focus always there with Rafa. I mean, it's a kind of trademark, isn't it, of his? And, and yet, until the US Open this year, he'd struggled with his hardcourt game in terms of winning titles. It had been over three years since he'd picked up uh, a hardcourt title, but now to have done it again in New York, the confidence that, that he's riding this wave of uh, euphoria again, that he has been able to come back from that loss of confidence that he had a couple of years ago so stunningly well. It's, it's just marvellous to see. Yeah, it really has been exceptional. We just run out of ways to describe Nadal. I'll blame the uh, blip on the hard courts on the knees, I think. It's uh, even more impressive is that he's still going here after his run at the US Open. He's still going. His knees seem in pretty good shape. He's not struggling injury-wise, and the hard courts really have taken it out of him. Just the, his game style, he slams on the brakes. He does so much running, and it, it's, it's very, very wearing on him. But he's looking fresh. He's looking fit. No signs of any tiring whatsoever it's extraordinary but it's happening and i think that he's going to go on a great run for the rest of the year and most likely will finish number one incredible that uh, this year i think he's now the 12th player who has saved match points in the process of a tournament and gone on to become champion and of course you look back there you know, lucas Puy had two match points against him in the first round but he survived that and uh, how well he's come through since then as for Kyrgios, he was so good up until the final. He was actually very good in the first game. I think it was, what, uh, five points we'd had, and he hit that stinging backhand into the line. It was called out. It was then shown on Hawkeye to be correct that he had hit the, the side of the line. He had Rafa sort of under pressure on a break point, but it had to be replayed quite rightly by the umpire. And yet it just had such a sway on this final, and it really got Kyrgios going in the wrong direction mentally. Yeah, I think, to be fair, it, it was a big decision early on, as big as decisions can get early on. Obviously, they get bigger as the match progresses, but it, it would have meant that Kyrgios would have been a break-up, so it's completely understandable that he got annoyed. It was expected as well. The mutterings that went on for the next couple of games, I think, um, we... It was not surprising, um, and I think it was, yeah, as I say, pretty understandable. I think most, even Nadal would be thoroughly miffed at that, even though he wouldn't show it outwardly. But for it to then just keep dragging on through the match, it was Kyrgios just could not get over it. He couldn't move past it, um, and it just affected the whole of his game for, for the rest of the match. He's probably, post-match, talking about it now <laughs> with his team, that one particular point. And ultimately, it is one point. Nadal needs 48 to win a match. Um, and what happened on the other 47? You do a lot behind the scenes with players and talk about sort of the mental side of the game and how to deal with the mental difficulties of being a professional player. So what do you feel Kyrgios needs to do? Because to me, it would seem that he's always going to have a, you know, a kind of tendency for this to happen on a pressure point that it can just sort of completely derail him. What would you advise? Well, I, I actually think it's fine, as I say. It was understandable, and I, I think it's okay for a short amount of time. But the, but for Kyrgios, he has such a huge weapon with his serve that he can go on these peaks and, and these dips within a match and be okay. But that just deserted him today. And, and actually, if he'd have been frustrated for a couple of games, but he'd at least been making a lot of first serves and, and at least been successful... Uh, with his service games he was just desperately trying to hold on I think then he would have got out of it quite quickly because the momentum would have been broken and it would be back you know it would keep going on serve and he wouldn't feel like he's now really under a huge amount of pressure but because his first serve percentage was very low and he really was not winning many points of his second serve the percentage was down in the 30s really it was it was very low indeed uh, he was just really struggling and then that just increases the frustrations even more I, I think for him the key to getting over any sort of frustration any sort of 
of controversy in a match is serving well, get himself back on track, make those first serves and then continue and compete with the rest of the match. Well, let's hope that he puts this behind him and that uh, we see the best of him throughout uh, what he does in Shanghai and indeed Nadal as well. You're listening to ATP Tennis Radio. There's plenty more to come. You're listening to ATP Tennis Radio. Available on the official websites and apps on TuneIn and iTunes. Barry Milnes and Naomi Cavity with you in Beijing. Naomi, who else has impressed you this week in the uh, Chinese capital? Well, a few. It's been quite interesting this time of year. You always get a few people making a big push forward after the full season and a couple of youngsters as well. We've got Sasha Zverev has, of course, sealed his place uh, at uh, London, which is just an extraordinary effort to, to get there so comfortably after really not performing very well in any of the Grand Slams. So it's not like he got big points on those four huge opportunities. He's done it the rest of the time and he's done it quite comfortably picking up Masters events. He, of course, has just been looking superb. And he beat uh, Rublev here this week. It was a little next-gen battle and uh, it's making Milan very, very interesting indeed. As this year has progressed, I think the excitement for Milan has just grown and grown with Shapovalov coming through, Rublev doing incredibly incredibly well. There are so many players now and, and a lot that people know and are aware of. They've played big matches, they've been around and I think and Milan is just going to be a, a brilliant event for people to really pick a new favourite, a new player for them to get behind. We've had so much fun in 2017 watching, obviously, what Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal have done again at the, the very pinnacle of the sport. But as you mentioned, these younger guys coming through week after week, you know, step by step, seeing how they are adjusting, how they are developing has been a real fascination. And Rublev, one, I was thinking, obviously, some of the performances from him in New York and then what he's done in Beijing and how he's gradually learning to sort of compose himself. I mean, he's quite a fiery character, isn't he? But Zverev is as well. And, and obviously, you've got to be able to harness that to some degree and not let it overwhelm you or affect your game in a, in a negative way. And But one or another, seeing how they do deal with that, that that's been something certainly that we've watched this year. Oh, it's been it's been so impressive in how they've grown. I mean, even just look at Shapovalov, early stages of the year, some incidences we don't need to go over, and I'm sure he's very keen to forget, but how he's grown as a, as a, as a person, and, and Alexander Zverev, he, I mean, he just turned up as a complete mature champion, pretty much mentally. It's been, it's been absolutely extraordinary the way he conducts himself with his speeches after, after winning tournaments or even after losing he, he's been so impressive his areas for improvement scarily for everybody else lie actually in his game and in his physicality and getting stronger and that's <laughs> very concerning for the rest of the field but mentally he's absolutely brilliant already which is why he's been so consistent through the year but yes Rublev uh, Hashanov so many of these players just learning just how to tailor their game to fit the top 10 and I'm, I'm sure the top 10 is going to be so so good for the next 10 years. It's really exciting. Well, Alexander Zverev, uh, as we mentioned, he fell at the semi-final stage yesterday, but by reaching that stage, he has confirmed his place at the year-ending NITO ATP Finals at London's O2 Arena. No, I think it's a great achievement for any player. Uh, it really shows you that you are one of the best players in the world for, for the whole season, not for just a period of time. And uh, it's, it's a great achievement, I think, uh, for anyone, uh, especially for me, still being only 20 years old, qualifying for the first time. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be very excited to play in that arena and very excited to be alongside other great players. 
And it's not as if he's just sort of crawled over the line eventually and got in in the last week. I mean, he's the third, only the third player to qualify behind Federer and Nadal for those finals. So that's an amazing effort for somebody so young. And of course, uh, he's way out in front of the race for Milan the previous week. He's going to be a busy boy. Yeah, I mean, it, it is uh, exceptional. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Milan and, of course, the ATP finals for Zverev. It's a difficult position to be in. I mean, I think he, of course, will want to support the ATP Tour, but he will not want to jeopardise his preparations for the finals in London because, as you say, he's not just getting there to turn up and play a couple of matches against the big boys and, and ha get, get gain some experience. He's going there to win. He absolutely could win. Uh, he wants to do incredibly well. He's, he's, th he's the third player to qualify. He's the third best player of the year, realistically, and uh, I, I mean, I would 100% agree with him. So it'll be up to him, I think, to decide whether Milan will be the appropriate preparation for him. He, he may think that it is, but uh, it, Milan is going to be very different with lots of different rules and I think different things going on for him. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see where, where that happens. But he is going to London the end of the year have it after having a brilliant year and I think he's got a real chance of doing uh, some serious damage there yes you have Nadal and Federer doing incredibly well and playing just sublime tennis but uh, he will absolutely have all of the energy maybe the end of the season they might get tired and show a little chink in the armor for somebody like Zverev who's fresh as a daisy and hasn't even been around that long to come in and, uh, and sneak it from underneath them who knows but it will be really exciting and I guess the hope is that from his point of view, just to give him a bit of a breather potentially between the two events if he's going to play both events, that he, he's drawn in the second group or the group that starts on, on the Monday in London because obviously they finish in Milan on the Saturday. But uh, yeah, he's going to be checking the flight schedules and uh, how quickly he can get from one to another. Well, from Beijing briefly, let's uh, go back to Tokyo because uh, we had a very compelling final earlier on there between Adrian Manorino and David Gotham. Commentary from Catherine Whitaker. Backhand cross-court this time on the return from Goffin moves his body out the way to hit a forehand this time now stepping into the court a bit trying to be aggressive trying to dictate from the baseline going cross-court being patient waiting for his moment Manorino not really able to do any damage in these long rallies gets one deep though there on the forehand and again to the backhand of Goffin takes it up the line forehand into out from Goffin another clean winner easy as you like and he's broken 5-3, he leads, serve down the tee, chip backhand return from Manorino, cross-court goes the forehand from Goffin, no reply from Manorino, swats away the ball, takes the towel, does the Belgian four seed because he is a set away from a first title in Tokyo. What will he do with this one? It goes into the backhand, he goes down the line, need I ask what he was going to do with that? Clean down the line on the backhand. David Goffin will serve for the Rakuten Japan Open title. 40 love championship points serves to the backhand of Manorino and wide. His head goes down. Goffin points both his hands towards the sky. He shakes his fist. He is finally a champion in Japan. He wins his ninth match on the bounce. He wins back to back ATP tour titles. He is a man in form. Yeah, of course, it's, uh, it's such an amazing work of my team. We, we worked so hard um, the last few months to, uh, to come back at my best level and, uh, and to win in Davis Cup and then win my uh, first title of the year in, uh, in ATP 250 and this, this one, the, the first ATP 500 I win in Tokyo. It's, it's just such an amazing feeling and 
I cannot be uh, more happy. And looking at the second set, you're a breakdown. He's a tough guy to play against, isn't he? He seems to get better as the match goes on. What were you especially pleased with today? Yeah, um, it, it was tough. Uh, I served really well in the first set. Uh, uh, I needed one break, and that's what that's what I did in the first set. But in second, he's, he started to play a little bit more aggressive. Uh, his rebound is really low, so it's, it's tough for the legs to, to stay with him in uh, during the rally. So uh, it, it, it was tough, but finally I found... Uh, a solution to come back with uh, with some great points to come back at 4-2 uh, to 4-3 and then um, and then at the end of the match it was uh, really good and uh, finish with a love game is uh, is perfect. We've now won two back-to-back -back titles, a nine-match unbeaten streak that puts you in a great position for the rest of the season. Yeah, if, uh, I'm, like I said when when I when I came back from my injury, I, I play match after match. Uh, I try to do my best. Uh, I enjoy every moment on the court and, that, and it's working for the moment so I'm not focused on what's happening at the end of the season and just uh, focus on the next one. So I'm going to rest a little bit, I'm going to fly to Shanghai and then uh, we will see uh, if I can keep going like that next week. A fine week's work completed by Belgium's David Goffin. His uh, straight sets win in the end against Frenchman Adrian Manorino. And Naomi, obviously you were covering with that with uh, Catherine. Time to reflect now on... on the performance of the Belgian Manorino obviously had a bit of a resurgence in the second set, but he just couldn't maintain it. Yeah, it was a, it was a great effort from Goffin. It has to be said, he's played brilliantly all week. Um, he's coming off the back of a win in Shenzhen as well. He's in fine form, and the first set he just completely dominated Manorino. He had all the answers, and to be honest, it's a very tough matchup for Manorino tactically. It, it's not ideal because he can just get pushed around by uh, Goffin and just get outmaneuvered. He quite likes to play against the really big hitters that hit a lot of unforced errors and also have ups and downs throughout matches that he can expose them when they're down and he can expose the unforced errors that they hit because he is so consistent and he likes to just work people around and he's really there to take anything he can get when you're not playing great. But Goffin is just in fine form and it just was very difficult for Manorino. But he did, he, he really came at him in the second set. He made some alterations. He wasn't getting onto the down the line shots and he picked, started to pick those up much better. He got much better width on the backhand, which made it more difficult for Goffin to go down the line and, and to do what he wanted to do. So he, he, he took the break, he got ahead, but Goffin just really upped his discipline, responded really well and then ran away with it. It was a couple of problems with Manorino. I think his hip was traveling him towards the end. So he couldn't move fully which was a, a real disappointment and I know he was really disappointed with his performance but he will be very pleased with a great week overall. Manorino did at least get a, a win over a top five player in Marin Cilic in the previous round so something that he's not been able to do very often and uh, getting a, a, another good win there at least is something he can take from it. Diego Schwartzman also another excellent effort I mean he, he gives his heart and soul doesn't he on the court every time he comes onto it and that was some battle with uh, Goffin in their semi-final. Yes, he absolutely does. It's, uh, you know, as I say, great for Manorino. He's picked up his, his best ever win against Marin Cilic, top five player. That's, uh, you know, really big positives. His ranking's moving in the right direction. He'll be inside 30, should be sitting around 29 after this week. So that's great because he's been around 50 or 60 for the past couple of years, actually started the season at 60. 
And Schwartzman, yes, he's always there. He's always there working away, making life as physical and as difficult as possible. And he really came close to David Goffin, but you have to, it has to be said, Goffin has found some fine form. And just in time, I mean, he beat Nick Kyrgios recently in the Davis Cup semi-final in four sets. He's got the Davis Cup final to prepare for. Of course, this is a great time of year for Goffin. He would love to, of course, come through and win that, uh, win that Davis Cup trophy for Belgium. But uh, yeah, it's very busy, but he's playing great. And just briefly, one other line, news line really from the week was uh, Milos Raonic, sadly, injury again getting the better of him. It has been a difficult year for him. So frustrating. I mean, remember 2016, Raonic of 2016, what a phenomenal season it was. He was up to number three in the world, final of Wimbledon, and really looking like he was knocking on the door of winning a slam. And I, I was really impressed with how he went about business last year, but it's just been setback after setback, and he hasn't been able to get any momentum with matches. And just as it's starting to come together, it, it, he gets another injury. It's it's it, 2017's a year to forget for Raonic. Well, he's not alone in that, is he? But uh, this week, uh, ATP Tennis Radio will also bring you live commentary from the Shanghai Rolex Masters. And our man Matt Brown has been speaking to Stefan Simeon from the title sponsor. This tournament has been, uh, since its uh, introduction in 2009, been one of the top uh, Masters uh, Series event. And uh, we're very proud to be associated with it. Uh, it was nominated as the best uh, Masters 1000 by the players many times. And uh, we're very pleased to be back here uh, for another exciting tournament. You're a former player, of course, uh, a former tournament director of Roland Garros as well. Uh, what makes this tournament um, so special, do you think, for the players? Well, just the, the whole atmosphere, the, uh, the town is, is incredible. And I think the just uh, management and uh, especially Charles and Michael are doing a great job at welcoming all the players in the best of manners. Everything is uh, so well organized. Everything is uh, very smooth. And uh, the staging that they're doing here in this tournament is absolutely impeccable. We are very pleased to be associated with such a, a major event. Uh, we now are associated with, uh, obviously, as a title sponsor uh, in Monte Carlo and also in Paris. And this is, uh, you know, another great, great staging for tennis. Because the facilities here are, are something else, aren't they? They are akin to a, a Grand Slam at the uh, Kijong Stadium, are fantastic facilities. And, uh, and the Chinese public are really getting into their tennis now. Yeah, I think, they, I mean, we've seen the evolution over the years and uh, really the facilities are absolutely beautiful. It's a great, uh, great facilities, beautiful stadium, uh, state of the heart and, uh, and the public is starting to be uh, a lot more knowledgeable and uh, supporting of the, all the stars that are coming here. And, uh, and obviously there's a lot of uh, players, a lot of people that are participating in tennis. They, they're, they're talking about 14 million people that are playing tennis in, in the country and it's developing. So, you know, it's, it's becoming one of the major sports here in China. So why do you think sort of tennis is a really good fit for Rolex? Well, it's just uh, the values that are associated with, uh, with tennis are pretty much the same uh, as our, our brand. Uh, we've been associated with tennis for the last 40 years, uh, almost 40 years, because next year we're going to celebrate that 40 years uh, of uh, being associated with Wimbledon. And uh, it's pretty much the same, the same values, the tradition, the innovation, and 
you know, the, the quest for excellence. And we, we are very pleased to be associated with such a great sport. And so this tournament, the Rolex Association, the Shanghai Rolex Masters, has started in, I think, 2009, the year after Shanghai finished as the Masters Cup. How far have you seen it grow in those last eight years? Uh, I mean, every year it's growing, it's, it's getting stronger, it's getting uh, bigger. The, the, the support of the fans is, uh, is really uh, becoming um, uh, intense. It's, it's really nice to see the evolution over the year. And uh, we're looking for another exciting uh, tournament. Stefan, Bjorn Borg is, is a legend of the game. And, and I understand that he has been brought out here by Rolex uh, as another Rolex ambassador. Yes, well, I mean, Bjorn is you know, more than a legend. Uh, you know, we uh, growing up, he's, he's probably one of the players that uh, made us uh, interested in the game and wanted to to come into the game. A lot of a lot of people. He's a he's a great character, a great legend, a great sportsman, and uh, we're very pleased that he he was able to join us here. Uh, he's obviously was the captain of Team Europe that just recently won the uh, Lever Cup. And uh, I've, I've been able to associate uh, himself with all the, uh, the, the European players. So, you know, we're very pleased to have him here on board. We're chatting to Stefan Simeon from Rolex. Stefan, you've got some pretty impeccable uh, Rolex ambassadors, haven't you? Uh, the likes of Dominic Thiem and Roger Federer? Yes, well, we're, we're so thrilled, obviously, that he's come back so strong in 2017. Uh, there's still a lot of tennis to be played, and obviously here is going to be a, a very nice uh, tournament. Uh, there's some, uh, some great uh, things that we are waiting at the end of the season, and uh, they're going to be battling with uh, Rafa for the world number one spot. And, uh, you know, that's very exciting for this tournament, but also for the rest of the year. Having both Roger and Rafa here in incredible form, this is the first uh, ATP Masters 1000 tournament since the US Open. They split the Grand Slams, two each. Uh, the stage couldn't be set uh, for perhaps a, a final on Sunday week, uh, but there's a long way to go before we get there. Yeah, definitely a long way to go. There's some great players out there, uh, and it's going to be a tough, uh, tough road for both of them. But uh, if they're on top of their uh, form, uh, why not? I have a great uh, final, and uh, that will be you know, uh, the, probably the best stage for that final. Who do you like amongst the next-gen stars? Obviously, everybody likes Sasha Zverev, but what about the other young guys coming through? No, well, I think that's, uh, that's, you know, tennis is in a great situation right now. We've got, you know, the, uh, I, don't quote me on that, but the older generation, obviously that's coming back very strong. The middle generation are playing really, really well also. Uh, with uh, Silic and Grigor and, uh, and all those guys. And then there's a group of uh, players from 18 to 20 years old that are coming really strong. You know, some of them are already uh, very well ranked as uh, Zverev. But uh, there's a, a bunch of them that are in between 30 and 60 that are great players and that are coming up really strongly. And the local guy, there is a, you know, a nice story. Obviously, uh, he's just won the US Open in singles and doubles. He's won the Challenger here uh, a couple of weeks ago. So he's going to be very much looked at, uh, after. And if uh, a Chinese player can uh, come up strong, that would be great for, for tennis in general. They are the Golden Nine, a prestigious collection of ATP World Tour Masters 1000 tournaments, hosted in the world's most spectacular venues and cities. 
contested by only the world's very best. This is their exclusive playground. Coming at you from Indian Wells. Let's get it started. From Miami to Monte Carlo. Dang. Thank you, Monte Carlo. Get ready, Madrid. Game, set, match, Madrid. New balls, please, for Rome. Grazie, Roma. See you in Canada. On to you, Cincinnati. Hi from Cincinnati. Get ready for Shanghai. From Shanghai to Paris. From Paris to London. So Shanghai will be our focus for the next week. We'll have live commentary coming for you every day on ATP Tennis Radio and a chance for us, uh, Naomi, to have a, a quick look at uh, the draw for the uh, next stop in the uh, Masters 1000s. Of course, Nadal will come into the draw. He'll have a bye into the second round, but he'll come in as a champion now in Beijing on top of uh, what he achieved in New York. Jared Donaldson is uh, going to be his first opponent because Donaldson was a, a winner against Cuevas in the opening round to get that right. Can you see Donaldson in any way troubling Nadal? Not really, no. Um, I mean, there's a lot of excitement about Jared Donaldson. I, I think he's a great young player coming through. He's got a really great game as well. You know, he, like all of these play these youngsters coming through, he plays big, he's brash. And, and uh, you know, of course, he has a chance, but I mean, Nadal's in a... a <laughs> in a ridiculously long streak of wins including a grand slam and and just playing so brilliantly well in, incredibly ruthless i think to be honest he ha he has a, a small chance but uh, whether i think he will is uh, yeah no okay but uh, <laughs> looking just in their quarter of the draw just down below them a couple of names that uh, stand out because of uh, what we saw happening in beijing and one of those uh, is uh, Lucas Puy, who's actually the first seed lined up perhaps to face Nadal. He's the 15th seed in Shanghai. He had Rafa at his mercy, had him two match points down uh, in Beijing. And, and if not him, then, well, Grigor Dimitrov, who uh, obviously pushed Nadal in uh, the semi-finals uh, in the uh, Chinese capital. And he is sixth seed, could uh, meet Nadal in uh, the quarterfinals. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have thought that Lucas Puy will um, recreate what he did uh, this week in Beijing because he just played so brilliantly. He was absolutely 100% there playing his best possible tennis and he still didn't win. So I actually think he'll be going into that match a little low on confidence. I think on confidence. I think he'll tell himself, look, I was match points and I, I could have won and really he should have won, but he didn't. And Nadal won the title and he lost first round ultimately and I think that will be uh, not particularly nice for him to digest. Dimitrov though really pushed him very, very very well indeed and played a great second set being really aggressive and that would be a, a really interesting quarter-final if we got there. Dimitrov, one of those uh, very much in the race for a place at the uh, NITO ATP finals at London's O2 Arena from the 12th of November through to the 19th and uh, among the others, I mean, Query in that top quarter as well, he's uh, in line for it. You look to the second quarter below, we saw Kyrgios obviously losing against Nadal in the Beijing final, but he's not out of the race. Kevin Anderson is another one there, Marin Cilic also in the running, and Pablo Carreno Buster. So there's, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of tussling in, in that section as well to try and get through to the latter stages and get big points going forward to London. Yeah, and there are huge points available in Shanghai, of course. It's a Masters 1000 event, and, and that's what they're there for. And 
for so many contenders for the last couple of spots in London to be in one section. You would have thought whoever's coming through there, the one that makes the semi-finals, will most likely be, give themselves a, a great platform. Of course, there's still Paris, another Masters 1000 to go on, and that will be happening soon. But surely whoever's coming through that section and getting to the semi-final will have a great chance. It might be one of the unseeded players, you never know, but if it is one of those seeds that are in the running, uh, then they will be putting themselves in a very strong position. Going into the third quarter, two names, or three names, I think, really stand out for me. Uh, Dominic Team, who we sort of we've discussed about, uh, you know, his abilities on a hard court compared to uh, certainly clay courts where he's been ex excellent this year. Again, uh, he needs to show a thing or two, perhaps, if he's going to make a, that, that that final tilt uh, for for London. But Sasha Zverev has already qualified now for the NITO finals. He's obviously way out in front for uh, Milan and the next gen finals as well. But Juan Martín del Potro, I mean. The times we've sort of seen him come up and he's had some big matches this year again. Some he's got through, but some have just slipped away. Uh, I mean, can you see him having a springboarding from Shanghai through the end of the year indoors and having a good run? Yeah, absolutely. With with Del Potro, you just you never know. He had such a fabulous 2016 when he when he came back and burst onto the scene and beat almost everybody everywhere um, and went on some brilliant runs. It's been a lot more difficult this year for him. He has had some, some great results, of course but it's been a little choppier. His ranking's still down, not, not yet in the top 10, not really in the running um, for London. Um, and I mean, he is, but it, it's, uh, it will be very, very difficult for him. He'll have to do something pretty huge indeed. But Sverev, I mean, qualifying for the ATP finals so comfortably at 20 years old and with some really poor Grand Slam performances, barely picked up points there, and they're your biggest opportunities. So he did it the hard way, but did it with ease. And another youngster that we're going to be looking at, I'm sure, in that section of the draw is uh, Denis Shapovalov because uh, he's been given a wild card into Shanghai on the strength of some excellent performances uh, in the last few months on the tour. He has uh, Victor Troitsky in the opening round for the right to face Dominic Team in the second. And then we turn to the bottom quarter, and of course, uh, right at the bottom of the draws, the second seed is none other than Roger Federer. So Federer and Nadal, those two are seeded to meet uh, in Sunday's final. But uh, anybody you see in the bottom quarter who could stop Federer from, uh, you know, getting that far himself? Well, I think we do have a very in-form David Goffin. He's won back-to-back -back titles. He hasn't won a title in years, remarkably, considering that he's been hovering around 10, between 10 and 15 for so long, and he's Mr. Consistent, but there's always one of the top five lurking everywhere he goes. So he hadn't won a title for so long, but he's won two in a row now and playing brilliantly. He really is. He could definitely trouble Federer, but Federer is the favourite to come through. He sure is. Well, so much to uh, look forward to then in Shanghai. But uh, thanks very much uh, to Naomi Cavaday for all your uh, expert analysis uh, through the final in Beijing and looking ahead to uh, things coming up next week as well. From Naomi and from me, Barry Mills, it's goodbye. <laughs>